Welcome to Player vs. Plot, the podcast where we take video game stories seriously. I'm Lindsay. I'm Sterling. And I'm Chris. And this week we are going to be taking a look at The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. It is my new favorite Zelda game. The yeah. newest Zelda game and my, my new favorite Zelda game. I would agree with you there. I think it is the closest callback to the original Legend of Zelda that any of the other ones have. I don't know if being like the original one makes it so like I mean I guess it does. I never played the original. I never played. I really the... like the original. Yeah, you would. And I really like this one. Yeah. Actually, but... this one did make me feel like I was playing the original. The, the sense of exploration. Yeah. The the original just let you do whatever. You could do any dungeons really any order you want. I will tell you. So we we all three of us got it right when it came out. Yes. So Horizon Zero Dawn had come out at the same time, mm-hmm. and I was really digging that and. Zelda was so good, it ruined other good video games for me. I, like, switched back to Horizon Zero Dawn, and I was like, there's a mountain. I'm going to go climb that mountain. And I just, like, ran up to it. And I obviously, you, you could not do it. It was just a wall. And I'm like, ugh. I, I have to say, as someone who grew up playing Morrowind and, like, Oblivion and stuff like that, when I saw a mountain and I jumped on it and I didn't just keep jumping up the mountain and instead I started climbing it, that fucking blew my mind. Yeah, I think that's really what the whole game is about, is exploration and allowing you to do whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. Whether that's, like, kill some bad guys with a rock, or throw your sword, or, like, create, like, a domino effect that somehow mm-hmm. launches you. Like, there's or, no limits. Yeah, or tell the story in whichever way you want to be told. Yeah, definitely. So the story starts mm-hmm. with you waking up somewhere. You're in, like... a a shrine of resurrection like a stone room you're like what's going on here you it actually starts kind of like a uh, link to the past mm-hmm. oh, how does where that you're start? in bed and then zelda telepathically talks to you and she's like link wake up i'm in hyrule castle or something mm. like that although she doesn't say hyrule castle here i don't think she doesn't really tell you it's zelda right away oh she doesn't it's been so long yeah well and so that's all you know right you wake up you don't really have memory, and I guess it's not clearly conveyed at that point that you don't have memory yet, but mm-hmm. you don't know what's going on. You seem to kind of know this this girl needs some help. I guess I gotta go. You like roll out in like your minimal clothing mm-hmm. with okay. a little Sheikah slate. Well, the one upside of having a character with amnesia, amnesia is that your character knows as much as you know. So when the story makes a big twist and turn, you're like, whoa. My character also didn't know that. Yeah. It's a classic storytelling device, right? Like going back to like Oblivion again. It's like, oh, we wake up. Like, do you know anything about, is that an Oblivion? In Oblivion, you do start out as someone who doesn't know what's going on. Bethesda does the prisoner thing. It's like, oh, you're a prisoner. Okay. Morrowind's intro was great because you are like on a prison ship and then you get out of the ship and... First of all, when you walk out of the the depths of the ship, you see like a horizon, you see a town. So it's a very good transition to freedom. And then there's an amazing metaphor where you actually have to go into the town and get your freedom papers and sign them with your name. Breath of the Wild is a cool thing too, right? Where you wake up, you're naked, 
you're basically born. You come out of like a gestation chamber or something, right? You find a patriarch as fast as you can. (laughs) Um, He's like, you got to learn how to feed yourself. And then that's what you start doing. You start climbing trees. You start just interacting very primally. I would say that the amnesia aspect in this game serves an extra purpose because Zelda is the... It's a series of games that do the same plot, but in different ways. So really, they're probably expecting the player to know, all right, I'm Link, there's going to be a Zelda, there's going to be a Ganon, there's going to be a Triforce of some sort. Yeah. Like, let's do it. So the idea that the idea isn't so much that Link's amnesia is a vehicle for the player, you know, to be introduced into the, the world story, because we all know the big plot points, plot beats. It's just kind of like a way to introduce the openness. It's like, well, you know, you as a character don't have a set path. Like when you're making your decisions, you can go wherever you want to go. And mm-hmm. I, like you, went cooking. Because mm-hmm. that this game could just be a cooking simulator for me. Mm-hmm. And I would love it. That's true. I think that, um, that the game really did a good job in giving the player agency over the story mm. and letting each consumer of the game have a uh, their own experience i have a question yeah did you guys feel like the beginning was kind of metatextual because it's super different from how they've been doing zelda games lately right in fact it's super different from like every zelda game since zelda 3 since link to the past mm-hmm. because ever since link to the past you always start out in civilization and then there yeah. is an inciting incident that changes things for you. Like you're in a comfortable it's spot. It's like the hero's right? call right. very classically. Right. And then you have to kind of choose to leave that safety and go out into something bigger than you. Yeah. But the also kind of metatextual about it, like kind of going along with how they put that old man there right at the beginning with the fire mm-hmm. is in Zelda one and two, you start out obviously in Zelda one, there is no town or anything. So you start out in like a wasteland and then you find an old man and that's your only friend, yes. right? Well, you start <laughs> next to the old man. I should say. Um, and in Zelda two, you start next to Zelda and Zelda's like asleep. Like that's the goal of the game is to, yeah, like... I was going to say that's an improvement to start next to Zelda instead of an old man, but then she's mm-hmm. asleep. And she's then asleep. It's... And that's uncomfortable. I think we should go back a bit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm okay with that. (laughs) So, okay. So in Zelda 2, I actually don't even remember. Yeah, she does wake up. Spoilers, Zelda does wake up. Um, (laughs) Like Mario 2. Yeah. And so in Zelda 2, you start out in a temple and then you actually have to cross wilderness and then get to a town. Mm -hmm. So they tend to start you right in the thick of things. And as far as I can remember, um, I don't think there's a Zelda after that that starts you out, like, in a dangerous place. So I think the You beginning, get your training plateau. Yeah. And it is... I feel like there is a really big metaphor there for... And I mean, a lot of the game is like this, but especially the beginning of kind of growing up and learning your place in the wild, mm. you know, and, and learning very basic parts of being a person. Well, it doesn't really teach you combat right like it's not i don't think of the training plateau and think oh yeah i learned all the basics of combat i think i learned how to cook i learned how to deal with cold i learned Mm -hmm. how to not try and cross a freezing river 
But but the thing is, almost every enemy in the uh, Great Plateau will one-shot you. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So you do have to learn, like, how to be clever with fighting in the first See, game. I'm a super cautious player. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm sure... I didn't watch Sterling play this part, but if there's anything I know about how you, you play video games, you probably found the biggest monster as soon as possible and ran up to it. Well, I found the largest horde of monsters. Okay. Well, there it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff you can learn. You kind of have to with fighting if you decide to fight. Yeah. Also, you learn that you have to clothe yourself. You learn I mean, about... you don't have to. It's, it's optional. Well, okay. It's, it's optional. It's not a great idea. But... So I guess there's lessons that you pick up, right? And the old man at least tries to tell you, you should clothe yourself appropriately. Because if you're not wearing clothes, every sentence he says is, aren't you a bit cold? Yeah. And then you have to learn nutrition. And I say nutrition and not just eating because there is a part where they specifically tell you uh, certain kinds of foods are good for you in certain kinds of ways, right? Yeah. And of course, it's like abstract. It's not like you need a certain amount of iron in your diet. It's right. more like... You need a certain amount of mighty in your diet. Yeah. <laughs> you need a little bit more mighty potassium or something. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it's definitely more bent on survival narratively mm-hmm. at the beginning, which, you know, is in tune with the breath of the wild. It's not like breath of battle, you know. Mm-hmm. It's here's how to deal with nature. And that's, and that's to go to what Sterling was saying earlier, that's really what sinks you with Link, right? Mm-hmm. Because you both start from square one. In fact, Link probably starts out dumber than you are because <laughs> you have that kind of knowledge from, you have genre savvy knowledge yes. most likely where you think, yeah, I probably could cut down this tree and get this apple or something. Or, hey, shouldn't I have clothes? Oh, look, clothes, right? <laughs> yeah. That genre savvy knowledge. <laughs> genre savvy, yeah. Should yeah. I be wearing like dressing pants. yourself. I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't played previous RPGs. Yeah. <laughs> so, of course, the old man is... King of Rome? Yes, the king. Because, what? I know, spoiler alert. Sorry, Chris, if you missed that part. I thought um, he was the boat from... I always girl. thought... He's also that. He's <laughs> never <laughs> just the king. He's always busy being other people and other things. Okay. Um, so he's a ghost. He's, he's dead, but also not because he, he was a pretty convincing old man. I have several questions about the nature of the afterlife and ghost rules in the Zelda universe. Ghosts seem exactly the same as humans to me. But he, but not always because the other champions are like stuck in their beasts or something and trapped and. And he's just out making spicy chicken and and looking like a fish. Yeah, that's well, a good afterlife. I mean, we've I'm learned from chicken? real culture that the afterlife is different for royalty. That's, so. that's true. Yeah, that's true. Maybe that's it. Maybe I'm pretty sure magic. King Tut's afterlife was a bit different <laughs> than uh, the slaves. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> so he tells you, you get like two quest objectives, right? He tells you Zelda fought Ganon. She's been fighting Ganon a hundred years because Zelda is a badass, but she can't contain him forever. Like the world's changed. Go save Zelda. So, you have to go save Zelda because she's locked in, like, this eternal struggle with super magic Ganon, right? He's transcended and become this evil spirit. Because what happened was years and years and years ago, before you blacked out, went unconscious, there was this impending doom coming. Oh, Ganon's coming back. What are we going to do? Zelda, figure out your magic. And Zelda was like, I can't. I can't magic. So what if we did science instead? And everyone was like... Because they had recently excavated this ancient technology that were these robots from long in the past, very Final Fantasy style. Yes, they kind of have this like ancient 
robot feel, yeah. which I'm into. Not literally yeah. that, yeah. And and Zelda looks at them and is like, you know what? Princessing? Not for me. I want to be an engineer. Yeah, I want to work with lasers. Yeah. And, because, because the magic thing, you know, she she's supposed to go on this pilgrimage and learn the magic or activate it somehow, and it never happens. Right, which we'll touch on later, because this is a journey that you discover kind of through retrospective as you piece your memories back mm -hmm. together. All of this you discover later. It's not like the game tells you this at the beginning, except you do have this notion that there are these divine beasts, which are four super robots. Mm -hmm. They're like, these are the best of the ancient robots. We should specifically use these four targeting yes. Ganon in case... Zelda fails. This is Zelda's backup plan. Well, they well they mentioned those four and also an army of little robots. They just don't tell you why they were using the army of robots. Right. right. And and the divine beast, the four big super robots, uh, were given to the four I guess vassal kingdoms or vassal states of Hyrule: the Gerudo, the Gorons, the Zora, and the uh, Rito. Mm -hmm. Which, if you're like me, and that doesn't mean a lot. The Gerudo are the like Amazon, Amazons, Amazon, warrior women. Warrior women, yeah. The from the desert. Um, the Gorons are giant rock people that live in hot volcanoes. Yes. The Rito are bird people, and the Zora are fish people. Zora, I can always get because Zora's domain is just yeah. So Ocarina of Time. Yes. Yeah. So you wake up, you know you have to go save Zelda. You could go right to Ganon. But the thing that makes sense is to go to these mysterious divine yeah. beasts and try to get them up and running again. And in fact, I think the so the, the as the king of Hyrule is telling you all of this, uh, the, our explanation includes a little bit of what um, Impa tells you. So he tells you to go find Zelda's old assistant or caretaker, Impa, and she will fill you in on part of what we've been including in this explanation. Um, and the reason, like this, all comes up because. Uh, and this is also something Impa tells you. When Ganon finally attacked Hyrule, they thought, okay, well, you know, Zelda may not have her magic, but we still have these robots. Well, Ganon uh, hijacks all of the robots, including the Divine Beasts. They turn on the Hyrule army. They turn on Zelda and Link and their four champions, uh, and they defeat everybody. Link is mortally wounded, and he's taken back to the shrine that will keep him in stasis for a hundred years and that is the shrine of resurrection you wake up on which is at the great plateau yep. yeah and you can only get off this plateau if you have a paraglider and i need you to get some of these these orbs for me mm. and so really this tutorial and the uh great plateau is the only thing that everybody has to do the same mm -hmm. maybe not in the same order but experience every part of mm -hmm. yeah and did you and like just to note you don't know he's the king while you're doing this stuff right yeah yeah that was before he reveals mm -hmm. he's the king so mm -hmm. you th you just think some old man is doing you a solid mm -hmm. like he's yeah. just helping you out and you also don't know that there's any civilization at all because in the marketing leading up to the game they kind of carefully avoided showing a lot of that Right? Yeah. Like, if you really watched a lot of, like, the Nintendo yeah. Treehouse stuff, you would see some stables. But they didn't really spend a lot of time in, like, the big cities. Yeah. So, when I started the game, I was like, that's all there is. When I get off of this plateau... It's just me in the snowy it's mountain. Just, it's just more old men. Because I thought they were different old men. 
Oh. Because they're all in the different places. And in Zelda 1, there were old men all over the place. So you assume this is like... Just old hermits in caves. Well, kind of like at the end of of each temple, there is the... There is a sage, yeah. Yeah. So you thought, this could be my sage sending Mm -hmm. me in to these sage mummies to yeah. get the orb from them. I thought there were like four dudes on oh, the plateau and I was Oh, I knew, them. I knew it was the same old crazy guy. And I, I mean, I kind of assumed he was the king. I mean, king. that's more logical <laughs> to, to think, right? But if you if you come in and you make that connection to Zelda 1, mm-hmm. you might think, oh, this is this just old men in red robes left. Yeah, yeah. So you finish all that. And again, already we see in this tutorial that there are different ways to do things. So you're exposed quite literally to the elements, right? Like... The first snowy mountain you have to get up, which was a bitch for me because I was that idiot who's like, I can cross this freezing river. So I swam it and then like I ran out of stamina and then I swam it and then I like died of frost and I'm like, okay, I can't, can't swim it. Apparently I have to try twice to be sure. And can I talk about the climbing? When you first start climbing, there's like a little story there where if you try to climb, you kind of learn your limits really quickly. You see how short your bar is. You fall quickly. And then I ran around the mountain. And I scouted like footholds. Like I looked for little places where I could stand. And then I found the ones with the lowest goal and also with a place to stand in the middle yeah, of it. And is, then that's where I climbed. That's how I rock climb at the gym. I'm like, which one so you rock climb looks the, the easiest? I don't rock climb. Luckily at the gym, they color code them. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. That would be very helpful in Zelda. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what is the beginner one with a million footholds? Maybe a bench halfway up so I can rest. I got really good at cheating the resting. Like <laughs> like at, like when I was climbing Hyrule Castle, I would I was like, I know that yes. the game will let me stand there. If you find like the <laughs> little, like there's here. just enough of a slant. Yeah. Oh, I immediately decided I was going to max out stamina. I'm like, stamina is clearly the more valuable thing. I thought yes. so too. <laughs> yes. I went straight for stamina. Which I think is why that We'll get to it. And I thought that was really clever of them, too. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because that almost encourages you to play, like, a cautious, high, like, lethality game. Yes. So, okay, we feel all set on the tutorial plateau? Mm Mm-hmm. Awesome. So from there, two quests markers, right? So once, Mm -hmm. once you finally get the paraglider from the old man, you get your first and last quest. Yeah. Just says defeat Ganon. Well, remember, well he tells you the story at that point. Mm-hmm. Like the main scenario is laid out for you right there. And I remember at first, uh, I thought that was kind of disappointing because I was like, oh yeah, so far it's kind of like Dark Souls or something. And yeah, you I wanted wanna... like an archaeological slant, right? To it. That's what I wanted at first. And now when I look back at it, I actually appreciated that they set all the stakes as fast as they could mm-hmm. because I think it's important that the player feel when they leave the plateau that sense of urgency and i think that was the best way to do it there was to make it feel like when you get off that plateau the direction you go in hopefully you're thinking this will bring me closer to killing ganon oh my my favorite headcanon it's not how i played the game obviously but it's like the speed run version right where like you wake up your link an old guy is like zelda's stuck in there fighting ganon you're like I gotta go do something. And you immediately, like with no weapons, you've got like a twig, mm-hmm. you know, like you're you're in your underwear and maybe a warm warm doublet. Fine. You're like, I gotta go fight Ganon, like and you yeah. you go and you just take on Ganon with like a stick. You're like, This is this is the only thing that matters, is yeah. saving Zelda and he goes and he's like that's, that's I don't remember the, uh, how we got here, but I saved you. That's the I think that's the courage. Mm-hmm. You know, how Zelda tells you you never forget courage. I think it's a combination of that and I also that 
part of Link regaining his former glory is getting the spirit orbs, getting approval from the gods, and like getting more stamina and health, yeah. which yeah. I'm sure we'll talk about more later. But I think another part of it is the player figuring out the game is an abstraction for Link remembering his like yes. skill, like his muscle memory. Yes. Yeah. Your muscle memory yes. and Link's muscle memory kind of become the same thing. Yep. Yeah. So you could look at it as though if Link wakes up and then immediately goes and just whoops Ganon's ass right out the gate, that's Link thinking like he wakes up and he's like, I remember my skills. I don't. My, like, I've gotten flabby, I'm not as strong as I used to be, but I'm smart and I have, like, the tactical knowledge of, like, a warrior still. Yeah. So none of us went straight for Ganon, right? Or did, did you guys go straight for Ganon? I actually... Okay. I went to Hyrule Castle and then I found it was a real bad idea. <laughs> I didn't even get to did the bridge. Did you get? Okay. I didn't even get to the bridge. I was... I would have been really impressed. I did not get to the bridge. So <laughs> I... Where, where did you go? Me? Uh, I just floated on down and started looking for things to do. Things to fight. I was more uh, looking for adventure. Um, I had no sense of urgency. I went straight south. So, okay. So, my experience with this game is a little bit more meta because they were, you know, they were talking about how open this game is, right? Mm -hmm. So when the king of Hyrule was like, go east to meet Impa, I'm like, fuck that, I'm going west. (laughs) I Yeah, I didn't know... I didn't think Impa would give you, like, all this shit to use that was really fun. So I went through the game, like, sure wish I had a camera or something. And she I wonder what the these... camera, though. She gives you... She gives you the information to get the camera. Yeah. Oh, and I was like, what's this extra slot on my Sheikah Slate? Yeah. Don't know what that is. I want to stress how, like, much I wondered aloud. Like, wonder what this is. Wonder what that is. And never made the connection to the fact that they told you to go see somebody. So I am, you know, naturally incredibly lawful neutral. I am a rule follower. The game was like, go fight Ganon. I'm like, "Mm, I'm probably not ready for that. What are my other options? It's like, go see Impa. I'm like, excellent. So I, I, I beelined it for Impa. I like looked up the map. I was like, okay, like I'm charting a course, right? Like I, I spent so much time just looking at the map, deciding what the like most efficient route was. Apparently I'm not an adventurer. I'm just like a, a doer. Mm-hmm. I'm like, we're just going to get this done. We're, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to go like A to B, we're, we're going to go. Mm-hmm. So I went to Impa and then same thing. I was, I was definitely pulled in by the Zora. So, so I think, and Sterling and I hit on this a little bit. I think you're meant to do the Zora one first. And I think yeah. not only because it's right by um, Impa, but also because that that blessing, Mipha's Grace, mm-hmm. is a huge yeah, benefit. it really helps you. For helping with, like, exploration, right? It makes the punishment less harsh mm-hmm. when you're like, I'm going to go poke my nose into this nonsense, and it blows up in your face. I actually think um, the way they designed the Rito, the Gerudo, and the Zora blessings is to make it like a huge boost to your survivability no matter which one you do first. Less so the Goron, because when I did the Gyarado area, I was actually running away from most fights, and it was still doable. Yeah. Um, and in fact, I, one thing I thought was so cool, they designed these skeletons to be killable in one hit if you like... I mean, obviously you can knock them apart and kill their head or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
But if you like throw a boomerang at their skull while they're standing up, some of them are just instantly killed by Interesting. it. Interesting. So there's a lot of like uh, considerations they give to you not being ready for where you're going. But when I went to Gerudo and I got Urbosa's Fury, that let me actually go into new areas that I couldn't go to. Yeah. Immediately start with the Fury with the lightning and then they would all drop their weapons. And then I would just go and pick up all their weapons oh, and yeah. now I'm ready to kill them. And now I'm armed for like so, the next few fights. Too. I think I think the Garuda was meant to be last. I think that, that it's meant to be the Zora domain and you go uh, counterclockwise. I think either that one or Goron. And I think for the, the Goron... First? For last. Oh. Because, and the reason I think it's, it's a kind of a toss up to me is because the Goron one, just, just by looking at it on the map, is so imposing and it has a really harsh consequence for not being prepared when you enter oh, that that's area. Oh, that's true. That's yep. true. And I think the Gerudo is, is uh, interesting because, as a, interesting as a consideration for last, because it makes you manage both hot and cold, whereas yeah, the other true. ones just make you focus on some aspect like cold and Rito or dealing with water and electricity and mm-hmm. the Zora. I also think, and I don't know if it's just me, but I thought that the Gerudo Tower, that boss, was the hardest boss for me. The, the lightning one. Yeah. I, yeah. It, it one-shot me because I only had four hearts yeah. when I fought it. That was a very frustrating... And it's like patterns were harder to read. Like It was, it was just very yeah. frustrating. If you... Because it can... So I didn't have a problem with it until the last phase, and I don't want to spend too much time on it. Cause right. Besides the point, but... In the last phase, it can, like, break your shield. Yeah. And it does, like, a lot of spinning attacks at you one after the other. Kind of like a Lionel, almost. Mm-hmm. And um, if you don't learn how to use the flurry attack, uh, it can be really hard depending on what pattern yeah. it uses. So, I also think, like, that order, right, the Zora counterclockwise makes sense narratively as far as what it reveals because the Zora one reveals that I don't know Mifa was in love with you or some nonsense like that mm-hmm. she's just a side girl she can't beat Zelda Paya is better than Mifa who's Paya? What's, yeah Paya little Paya girl oh Paya Impa's niece oh the one I talked to while I was naked yep, yep. Mm-hmm. you just hang out in her room when you're naked anyway so the Zora domain like narratively establishes Link's past right specifically mm-hmm. like with Mifa kind of her believing in him, him trying to like find That's his true, footing. Huh? Yeah. And then if you go to the Goron one next, I don't I don't remember that one revealing a ton. You're right. The the Zora one is really it does a lot of work and you can tell they put a lot of effort into that one. Yes. Because it establishes both a positive and negative relationship in the past for Link to kind of come back and yes. learn about. The yeah. Goron one, what does that show about the past? Because that guy was just kind of a bro. I don't think that one was supposed to okay. show and then much the, about Link. The Rito one shows like the hostility that Link would face from like the other a, champion. He had a rival, mm-hmm. yeah. His rival. He was like skeptical of him, skeptical that he was being he was worthy of Zelda. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the narratively, it really starts to introduce the idea of what Zelda was going through and how Link played into that. And then you end with. The Gerudo one, which totally, you know, maybe I'm getting it mixed up with like the memories, but the Gerudo champion definitely had some moments with Zelda and and telling Link, hey, like she is struggling, like with this burden and feeling Mm -hmm. ready for it. And you've you've kind of narratively already established that 
maybe Link dealt with a little bit of that, and now you see his connection to Zelda in that. Well, from the memories, you really just see Link already being the best. Well, He's yes. got the Master Sword. He's uh, yeah. doesn't face any challenges. Oh, you, right. You guys, you guys were picking up memories as you went on this trail. Yeah, because yeah. we had a camera. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> I had no idea what the the memory <laughs> pictures were about. Oh man, the memories for me were what made this game spectacular. So let's let's go into the memories. For anyone who hasn't played the game, Link gets to rebuild his memories, right? Because he fought the good fight, and then he went into his hundred year long coma, mm-hmm. and then he pops back up, and a hundred years of sleep can you know do a doozy on your memories, right? Yeah. And you don't, you don't start the game knowing why you went to sleep. So as you kind of explore the world and you find these memories, um, you figure out what happened that led to you being away for 100 years, right? And you might find them out of order, too. And what I really love about this is that, that essentially the game has two timelines. There's your timeline as Link in the present, and then the timeline you piece together of the events in the past. Mm-hmm. And only Zelda, Impa, and that's really it. A remember couple of really old people. Yeah, a couple of really old people remember what happened. So between what they've told you and what you can remember, you get a whole new understanding of the entire story. There's kind of a sensation of a lost generation, right? Like... You are Link, this relic of the past, and there's Zelda, who's now like a magical figure locked Mm. in battle with Ganon, and a couple of people, and everyone else just knows you guys as a time of legend. Yeah. So you as Link get these breadcrumbs of sorts on your your Sheikah slate Mm -hmm. from Zelda, where it's pictures that she's taken. So you have to comb through the world and like find where these pictures are look at them and it jogs your memory yeah i'd like to think of them as little like love letters or love photos that she left being <laughs> like boy i sure do hope link will start seeing me romantically now yeah, yeah. get that mifa girl out of here only good memories of himself and zelda you don't like mifa you do uh she made me a wedding shirt but so we'll left that out of the, the memories girl after <laughs> So let's get back to the memories. One important thing they do is like they show Link that's surrounded by a battlefield with a bunch of just bodies. You see Lionels. That's yeah. a big, they make a point of showing you the dead Lionel. That, at least one of them. Maybe at least more. one Lionel and he's and a battlefield of other enemies and he comes out with a scratch. Yeah. A scratch. He's, he's Which, pretty much fine. If you've done the Zora yeah, you domain, you've probably been exposed to the Lionel, yeah. right? Or and if you went like... to the Coliseum. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The Coliseum yeah. was tough. So you've probably already been introduced to this idea that, whoa, Lionel's, like, that's pretty, that's big stuff. And here you are, just like, you dominated them. Yeah, and it, and it also establishes that in the past, the person who was doing all the growing was Zelda. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you were like this perfect kind of almost Mary Sue platonic ideal of like, yeah. who, who would you want to be? You were right? at the end of your arc. Yeah. yeah. Your story had already been told, essentially. Yeah. You were just helping Zelda get to hers. Yeah. yeah. I mean, which, you know, enters into, I would obviously make the argument that this is truly a game about Zelda. Mm-hmm. If you were to ask me to sum up like the most meaningful plot of this game, it would be it would be Zelda's arc. 
right? Mm -hmm. So what do you think Zelda's arc was? I think it is her dealing with the burdens of her position, right? Like, Mm -hmm. which may mirror for, like, you as a player, it's relatable in, like, worldly expectations or, like, the expectations of peers or parents or where they're saying, well, this is what you are groomed to be. This is what you need to be. But she's missing a key mentor in that process. So yeah, she's she just, doesn't have her mom. Yeah, she's just left to figure it out on her own. And she, the girl is doing everything, right? She is, like, doing the most. She's putting in all the hours. She is, like, doing everything te- with textbook precision. Yeah. And it's just not working and it's not enough for her dad either i kind of i kind of got the feeling like her dad was overcompensating for the fact that he knew she was at this disadvantage because she didn't have an example Mm -hmm. of how she was supposed to take on this historical role and i actually feel like um it's not gisella i i honestly think there is a major theme in the game of starting from a place of unfamiliarity and feeling lost and like without purpose and then by the end, coming home to both, you know, who the characters in the game are told they need to be, but also on a meta level, what you normally expect from Zelda. Yeah. Which I feel like I've heard a lot of people say that it becomes a very familiar Zelda story at the very end, right? Like, I feel like when you get, when you step foot into Hyrule Castle, there's not a lot of surprises left. Yeah. Which, and some people, I think that that does disappoint, but... I actually think that there is a very intentional hmm, like departure from how you usually think Zelda works. Modern Zelda works. Right. Yeah. And then when you become Link or when you become as close to Link as you can afford to be before you fight Zelda and you storm Hyrule Castle, I think that's the moment where the game becomes Zelda again. Yeah. Like it becomes Zelda not in the sense that like it's prescribing what Zelda is but it's supposed to make you feel like you're coming home. Yeah. And I think that's, it's really important that the game wants, if you're going to get the true ending, you have to enter Hyrule Castle and then leave Hyrule Castle because the last memory is there, right? right? Mm -hmm. Well, the second to last memory is there. Yep. And then you go back to Impa and then she's like, go travel a little ways from here. And then you go to that battlefield, right? And then you see the memory of Zelda suddenly everything clicking for her and her Triforce piece activating. So I feel like that's Zelda finally stepping into the role that she wanted to be. Or I mean that her dad wanted her to be. I think, I think there's the, you get the plot of Zelda visiting the, like the, the goddess shrines, right? The essentially the goddesses of the Triforce, right? Like, she finds these hard to reach kind of ancient cultural touchstones and appeals to the goddesses. And yeah. in this universe, like that is, yeah, they're very real. Like, yeah, like, they're more Zelda than almost anything else in the game. Yeah. Right. Yep. They're, they're the things that we have associated with Zelda since at least linked to the past when yes. they brought up the three goddesses. Yes. So she is like, she has been betrayed possibly by her family because her mother has died her father is disappointed in her and by her gods because they are not granting her the powers the powers that she needs for completely selfless reasons by Mm -hmm. the way like it is just so compelling to see a character who wants to achieve something great for the goodness of other people she's going about it all in the right way and it's just not happening for her because you don't we don't see that a lot like you know, you see people mm-hmm. like, oh, well, he, 
he wanted power, but for the wrong reasons. Or, oh, like, they wanted to save their town, so they built themselves right. up. Like, she is, like, the most relatable thing. I would, I would argue that if you talk to any person on the street, right, and said, okay, like, what are your goals? Do you feel like you're working towards them? Like, a lot of people would be like, yeah, like, these are my goals. Mm-hmm. They're pretty good. I feel like I'm working towards them. And they would say, well, have you gotten there yet? And they'd be like, no. <laughs> No, right? Like, mm-hmm. like it's very relatable to feel like you are doing the right thing and it is getting you nothing. Like, and I and I feel like there was an implication that there was nothing that she could have affirmatively done to activate that power. Yes, because when she does it finally, excuse me, I think it was just a matter of it being the right time, like necessity almost. Yeah. yeah. So you think it was necessity that ultimately activated her powers? Or was it maybe something else? It's like, a, I think it was like a bird flying. Like, I, I think that she was about to die and that was her body. It was almost like a, like a age thing, right? Like your body at the right, at certain, some certain time, like puberty or something. Yeah. You just go through that. Like getting your change. X-Men powers. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I, I think I just intrinsically thought of it as getting your X-Men powers. It's like, oh, it's a time of stress. Blah. So th- there's another like aspect to that conflict that I thought was really interesting. And I think. Well, what's, what's your theory, Sterling, on how she got, or why she got her powers there? Oh, on how, why she got her powers there? Yeah. Do you yeah. not think it's necessity? Um, I think that maybe for the entire time she was uh, praying and looking for powers for, you know, what you're saying is completely selfless reasons, but they're not exactly the because right reasons. Because somebody told her to it do it. It was because yeah. somebody told her she wanted that she okay. should do it. true. Maybe Up another... to that point, she thought... Remember, this is on the battlefield with all the dead robots. Mm-hmm. And up to that point, she thought she was the unfair. religion wasn't going to work. Right. She thought that this was all a bunch of, like, bullshit. And that's why she was doing all that research into the robots, and it was pissing her dad off. Right. Yeah. And he was like, stop wasting your time on this. The real thing is this ancient tradition, which, just trust me, it'll happen... <laughs> Like, don't worry. Just do it. Stop. It'll be like the rapture or like, something. Do robots no. for fun, but don't put all your hope in there. That's not what right. is fueling your power. Right. Now, I will say maybe another interpretation of it could be extrinsic versus intrinsic motivation, mm-hmm. right? Like, she, for a lot of it, it's extrinsic. She's doing what she's been told to do. She is doing it for other people. And then in that moment on the battlefield, you know, she's doing it for herself. And not only that, but looking outwardly versus inwardly for that source of power right like like she keeps going to the shrines she keeps going to the books she keeps yeah going like, to the leaders give me the power instead of unlocking your power. yes whereas on that yeah. battlefield she just finds it within herself there there's like a i think there's an element of faith there too mm-hmm. whether it's in yourself or in this greater right. power right. or something so what was the other aspect oh of it? so I think Zelda is one of the instances where the game uses past Link as a plot device to develop someone else's conflict. And the two major characters that past Link is used to develop is future Link and uh, past Zelda, right? Mm -hmm. And if you remember, there's that scene where past Zelda is like, isn't that great? You were born into a knight's bloodline, another callback to Link Mm -hmm. to the Past, and you want to be a knight and that's what you're doing and you're just doing whatever you want. And I have to play this dual role where I am pretty sure robots are going to save Hyrule and my dad doesn't believe me and I have to do I have to be the lead scientist on this. But also 
I have to go do this pilgrimage, which is wasting time because I have to fucking walk around the world mm -hmm. and I none of it is working and not, I haven't mm -hmm. felt anything. And he's telling me it's just going to work when the time is right. Mm -hmm. And Zelda. that's so dumb. And I agree. She's with so Zelda. relatable. Yeah. I think yeah. that's totally true, right? Yep. And I almost feel like it's kind of a conflict of a person it's almost like a woman being told she can't be an engineer and she has to instead be the queen or she has to be this matriarch she has to be the magical or a nun the magical mm -hmm. girl right right it's like oh well you can't save people by yeah building things but you can save them by being the chosen magical one and yes. i think it like this does a better job of the zelda arc mm -hmm. that wind waker was trying to do See, I think they're trying to do totally opposite things. Really? I think... So remember how I said that this is a story about coming home uh, from a place that's totally far out from mm -hmm. where Zelda has come? Mm -hmm. But I think Wind Waker is starting from a place where Zelda went to. So a very more, much more like linear plot oriented kind of focus, which I loved. Mm -hmm. um, and then at the end, it departs from that. And it says, listen... Hyrule is gone, yeah. and the only person who wants it back is Ganondorf, and he is a toxic person. And Link and Zelda throughout that game, they're constantly showing how uncomfortable they are with this role that's pushed on them. That is true. So Tetra, right? She but abandons I, being I would argue, yes, she does. And yeah. it pays off. Yeah. I think that they're in Breath of the Wild, there's a sense of acceptance of her own duality, yeah. which leads to the eventual victory, right? It's a mm -hmm. combination of understanding these divine beasts and using them as well as her own powers, like awaiting that moment where all the divine beasts can fire. Like mm -hmm. it's the duality and the acceptance of that that brings about victory. Whereas in, in Wind Waker, like Tetra has to give up her pirate life and become Zelda and then they get victory. And then she can go back to being Tetra, mm -hmm. kind of. But isn't she Zelda again well, in Spirit no, no, Tracks no. or something? Well, Spirit Tracks, I think might be different characters yeah it's like a I little ghost so okay so i don't want to get too far off topic but. right just a real quick recap in, in wind waker it happens pretty late in the game when she find out when she finds out she's zelda and then Does you have it? like two more dungeons mm -hmm. to do yep and it's, then the, i feel like it happened really early but then there's like a triforce quest so that wind waker is that yeah triforce wind waker is the game that never ends that um, was like the first game i played where i'm like all right i'm beating it oh like, <laughs> well, i just yeah. have to do it all again so there's there's these scenes in Wind Waker where they show you Tetra dressed up like Zelda and she's like clearly unhappy and she's mm -hmm. just as soon as she becomes Zelda they're like okay now you have to we're gonna lock you in this room yeah have and fun so, underwater and then at the end right the only reason she has to be Zelda and help you being Link to fight Ganon is because you are fighting a remnant of the old world you're fighting someone whose entire goal is to drag but you into this old conflict. She couldn't do that as herself. She couldn't do it as herself. She is more empowered. Right. However, the problem they're solving is something that kind of is trying to drag you backwards. It, the problem they're solving is yeah. itself a relic, right? Yeah. And then when I'm they... not saying I don't love Wind Waker because I right. do. I'm just saying that I think thematically that says different things oh, that oh, are absolutely. less empowering well, about, about but, femininity. But here's what well, happens after Wind Waker, though. When they when they win and the king says, you know, Hyrule's gone. Fuck Hyrule. Forget about it. This is your world now. Go start a new world. Yeah. There's actually a game that takes place like immediately after that. And then she is like a pirate captain, okay. which is better. Yeah. But I think that the power for her in that game, like the real power, mm -hmm. comes from being unhappy Princess Zelda. Whereas the power for Zelda in this game. Mm -hmm. 
comes from her like her self-realization her like acceptance like and just believing in herself and not relying on other things so okay in a similar Mm -hmm. vein to what order you did the divine beasts in Mm -hmm. what order you do the memories in oh yeah that that tells a wildly different story yeah so sterling you did not like zelda right you were like oh this bitch yeah zelda seemed very ungrateful for everything that i had done I uh, kept on rescuing her, and she was saying, like, you just don't get it, Link. You just don't. Like, uh, my life is so difficult, and, like, you're just so good at everything. Why don't you... It was... It was she was not portrayed very well. Why don't you be the princess? Yeah. She, she did not seem to uh, appear very well. Well, because you got a lot of the, like conflict argument memories yeah all of my memories that i found at the beginning were her being mean to link because she's struggling so much that was actually similar for me because i saw the garados stuff near the beginning those were some of the first memories i found but those are that has the one where she meets with the like like you know wonder woman champion and morbosa yeah well i I just remember one where someone saves link saves her or something from the ego clan yeah yeah and then i remember just being kind of ambivalent about zelda for a long Mm -hmm. time and it's only when i got to the parts where she's like talking to her dad and stuff or at the shrine of power wow i get it now and yeah when she went to the shrine shrine of power was one of the first ones i found oh that was late for me i found the first ones i i found were like a lot of the ones where she was struggling and trying i like there's the there's that one there's one with her father was one of the early ones i found Mm -hmm. the one where they're by the tree and she's like well she's a little rude in this one she's like well of course you don't get it the one where she's like you have knight's blood and you're just like your dad and yeah you wanted to be that and it's great everything worked out for you fab um but so but that together you know made her really relatable Mm mm-hmm uh, so I definitely exposed the memories in a way that showed her struggles first and then like her resentment and then like her, and then there's the shrine of wisdom scene, which is the last one you get before you go to the castle. So the one where she's coming down from the mountain. Yes. That is the last real memory bef- in the timeline. Cause that's when Ganon awakens. Yeah. But is that the last one you get before the castle? No. Oh, it's just one of many. It's one of many. Okay, it was one of the late ones I got. Oh, are you and asking if you're forced to see it at a certain time? No, no, no. Just like, uh, I didn't know if that was one of the later ones everyone got or just a later one that I got. So I had this beautiful arc where I see her struggle and then she's kind of mm-hmm. lashing out and then it comes back to this like one where she is just like, like it is her birthday. It is what these like, everything's been leading up to. She's like, this is my last hope. And she comes down and she's just like, Nothing happened. Simultaneously yeah. broken, but also yeah. like, we got to figure, let's go. Let's go, yeah. team. Like, we got to figure something else out. Ganon mm-hmm. is here now. Yeah, yeah. Like, and it's validating. Here's something that I thought was really interesting. I don't know what to make of it. And I kind of want to know what Lindsay thinks about this. Mm-hmm. The, the whole thing about making the Guardians work for them, I got the impression that's Zelda's idea. And she's the one spearheading the research on that from yeah. her diary. Mm hmm. And then, before that point, you get the. I had this feeling like, okay, the the people of Hyrule found this old technology, they relied on it to their detriment, and then it backfired on mm-hmm. them, yep. right? Because it was used against them. They didn't By know what they were doing with it. And then when I realized it was Zelda's idea to do that, I was like, oh, is this supposed to be something about the hubris of youth, like that youth uh, thinks that you know the old way doesn't make sense. 
Which, by the way, this is a really ironic kind of theme for this game to be kind of exploring, but I almost got this feeling like uh, Zelda's arc is this, is a child being kind of feeling like she's not getting any results from tradition. And she very logically, I think, turns to something new that she discovered, right? It's almost like a renaissance kind of thing, right? She, She looks back at this old idea of the Guardians in a new light. And then when Ganon attacks, everything is reversed on her because all her guardians that she's been bringing back online are now killing everybody and it destroys Hyrule. And in a sense, I think she's kind of taking responsibility for that. That's a really interesting... I think that's why she goes and locks herself onto Ganon because she sees this as like her fault. What do you think, kind of maybe in a similar veined that mm-hmm. what do you think the game is saying as far as the relationship between technology and nature i think that's really complicated it's, it's called breath of the wild yeah. it's very clearly and, and, and a lot of the game is about you as link and how you relate to nature and use nature Absolutely. like you 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 ride some horses but you don't like use just one forever right you like yeah you know you use horses as they come like you use whatever plants are by you and it's also kind of your your equipment is temporary everything is yeah. transient in nature yeah but yeah. we should get to that too but the, on the on the technology the entire thing. your your main source is the Sheikah slate like yeah exactly that's technology and you're not winning that game without it yeah they, this game has a very complex stance on the idea of the old and the new Mm -hmm. because for one thing first of all the obvious the technology is ancient yes right it's something they don't even understand really and by the end of the game you have both been totally destroyed over and over by technology literally speaking but also zelda her whole belief system is and saved by it Mm -hmm. and that saves link well yeah the for, for one thing the divine beasts take off half of Ganon's life for you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, um, not only that, but the Temple of Resurrection, or Shrine yeah, of Resurrection. It saves you, yeah. Like, you're, you're dead without that. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I don't... I don't. At first, when I saw the ending, I was like, is this game saying Zelda needs to shut up about her science? And, only like, men can to... use science. That's why it goes so well yeah. for Link. So, that, like, on the one hand, I feel like I got that impression, but then I also felt like, well, on the other hand, I don't get the I don't get the feeling that like this is going to happen in this exact way again. Because Zella tells you, use like take the machines back. Use it for our purposes. Uh, she wants you to use the Sheikah Slate. She wants you to go find okay. Impa who leads you on that path. Maybe it links back to agency, right? Like mm-hmm. is it the technology that's at fault or the person using it? The natural issue with technology is we all want bigger and better technology, but both people with good intentions and with ill intentions are going to have access Mm -hmm. to that, right? So it's, yes, we benefit from technology, but also it has its own issues. So like as time progresses, like, you know, you, like you get a computer, like there's a new way to lock it and then people come up with a new way to hack it. Mm -hmm. They come up with a newer lock. Like it's that kind of race that is so intrinsic to modern technology and maybe that's part of what the game was symbolizing was Zelda was embracing this new technology and then Ganon took it and used it for his games but in order to beat Ganon they had to regain the technology everybody is burned by it yes at some point Mm -hmm. and I maybe maybe that was 
Except Link. Well, yeah. I don't know about you but guys. Link. I got burned a lot <laughs> by technology. Yeah, yeah um, I could not. It took uh, me Link, forever to get Link the... Link is uh, in the resurrection. And the counter tried. thing, you know, the... Parry. Yeah, the parry. Oh, yeah, yeah. On those, like, sh- yeah. the big things. Whoa, Nelly. But I was determined to get that parry. I spent a lot of time yeah. right outside of the castle being like, I'm, I'm going to get this. I'm going to get this. Um, so I almost feel like there is a careful kind of... Uh, fairness or almost Mm. like ambiguity as to whether this technology is really helping them because on the one hand the technology causes calamity on the other it's what saves them and i feel like when you when you use the sheikah slate right and you get the knowledge from first of all a friend of mine pointed out when you put a a sheikah slate in a tower the information goes into it from a teardrop coming from the Sheikah eye above it. So you are literally absorbing information that comes in the form of a metaphor for sadness. Yeah. That drips onto your Sheikah slate. So you are gaining the gift and the curse of knowledge. It's a water drop. It comes out of an eye? Well, the Sheikah the symbol, symbol is, is the eye. Oh, I never thought about it. I always thought of it as like a nourishing droplet. Like, That's another way to look like at it. Like the rain comes down and like... Yeah, I think it's both. I think it's trying to show you like when you take these things from the past and you reapply them, you're going to find... You're going to re-experience the joys and also kind of the tribulations that are attached to that. Yeah. When you relive the past, you will also go through the trauma of the past too. Yeah. But something I think we've been doing up to this point that isn't really, we're not really being fair to the game here is we've been creating this divide between tradition and religion for mm-hmm. one side of Zelda's duality and then discovery and the Renaissance and new technology. Yeah. But I feel like I've, I've been neglecting to talk about how the technology that Zelda discovers is religious because it's housed in these shrines. And these shrines are Shinto shrines. Like, you find kami inside them. You find what? Kami. God. Gods. Like, kami are like nature gods. They, like, represent an element of, not an element like fire or water, but like... Like the river. Yeah, like, this is the god of this cave or something like that, right? Like, not caves. This cave. (laughs) Right. This cave. And, like, when you go into a shrine in, like, real Japan... Real Japan, not you know Hyrule Japan. Japan. Um, <laughs> I've been to I've been to the Japan at Epcot. Okay, is that real Japan? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember what it was it's like. Not because it's oh, in okay. Florida. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's part Japan. And <laughs> it's really part, good. Like Disney has portals now. <laughs> so when you go into a shrine, right, you don't actually see. You don't always see the kami there. You don't see a representation of it. They actually hide the kami in the shrine. Like, they'll put it in a corner or something where you can't see it. Like, okay, wait. Is it... It's like a... Sorry. Is it a, a, like, an artistic rendition somewhere? Or is it, like, a little mini statue? Like... It could be a statue. It's, like, a rendition of the kami... Like a, it's not, it's like not I'm really picturing an like, idol. Like, like Buddha statues now, like from what I mean. Like not like China. a big statue. It could be like a little doll yeah. or something. Okay, so it could be just And they will like hide it somewhere in the shrine. That's kind of Not creepy. always. Um, and it's just basically the idea that the kami is unseen, but it's there, right? Oh, mm-hmm. okay. That makes sense. And it's kind of like how the kami in these shrines who grant you these powers, they are kind of hidden. You know, they They're have to go through hidden. an obstacle to get to them. Right? I have to send a stupid marble through a stupid obstacle yeah. course. Ugh. Yeah. I will just, I'm just going to assume no one found that coming. <laughs> well, Sterling I, uh, the entire just flipped it over. flipped it over and was like, Fuck no you, more Sterling. maze. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I can't do this. What yeah. is this? 
So something that I think is super interesting is um, recently I was in the Edo Tokyo Museum, mm-hmm. which is a museum in Tokyo about Tokyo, right? And it kind of takes you through, like, it has all these cool exhibits, like, uh, what was the salary of a person who lived in Tokyo? Like, what do they eat? Cool. What do they do? Something that people used to do as a vacation, and not just really religious people, not just monks, but, like, normal people would sometimes go on an angya, right? And an angya is a walking tour or a pilgrimage. And they would there would be these routes. You could buy a map or like a tour guide, right? Like in a book. And it would map out a route to shrines that you would visit. Oh, that's super cool. And that was like a vacation. So and you, you think this is like these, yes. angya then? Yeah. And I think it's the same thing for Zelda, right? Except hers is oh, kind of She's like unwillingly. She's like right, the teenage exactly. kid on vacation. Right. And her parents are like, it's good for you. Get I some culture. I want to be with my friends. <laughs> yeah. So I feel the like... And, and here's the thing, right? People today still go on these tours. They have preserved a lot of the places where like the statues are. Actually, and so it's not always Shinto. Sometimes it's also Buddhism. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, sometimes people will preserve like Buddhist statues or something that people go on a pilgrimage to. And here's the crazy part. Sometimes, like these things are so old and like there's not much room in Japan, right? Right. So society kind of sprung up around these things. So some of these like sites that you visit is in like someone's backyard. Oh. Like the lady whose garden a shrine just shot up. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Oh, that's true. That's really cool. That is very cool. The past kind of emerges as this, these like waypoints you go to. Well, and here is... I stepped all over her flowers. (sighs) Is Hyrule also like an island? That's a good question. Because if you go... So So if you look at the map... I didn't care much about the west. It's Mount... Is it all mountains? Yeah, it's continued mountains, but there's a large, large ravine that you can't cross, oh, which is okay. the, the in-game border. Because I spent yeah, way more time some, on the yeah. east coast than the west, because that's just the kind of girl I am. There's ocean on the east, mountains to the west. Ocean to the south as well. Ocean to the south. And then the north is... Is that the ravine? The two kind of meet. Oceans and... Well, there's kind of desert and mountains on the okay. west. Uh, yeah. But the north is both mountains and ocean, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. This is my... I am making a map with my hands. I think what's kind of interesting about this is that Zelda's kind of affinity for this technology is also this affinity for old religion that maybe might be a little bit more promising, more exciting, right? Right. Because it has very real physical results you can look at. And I think there's a kind of mythological connection here where in order for Link to become the champion again, he has to go to these shrines and gain approval from the gods, which is a very Eastern philosophical thing. In a lot of like old Hindu stories, you have heroes who go and they undergo some kind of penance or something. And then I mean, the that's God not says, just like Eastern. That's very like Greco-Roman. There's some, as well. yeah. There's a lot of Greek there too. Yeah. Um, where you go through some trial and like sometimes it won't be a trial like I defeated this monster who was hurting people. Sometimes it's a very like masturbatory trial. Like there would be these yogis who would go out and just stand there in a weird pose, like yoga pose for like a hundred years in the mythology and just show up and, and be awesome. turn into a tree. And then a God comes and be like, good job. Well, you said like masturbatory and I, I thought it was going to be like, eat all Not this literally. pizza. Like, oh, no, like no. really enjoyable. Well, it's kind of self-indulgent because the, okay. the point is not like the effect you have on the world. The point is oh, to demonstrate your, your own, own ability to endure hardship. 
And so the, the trials are not necessarily a whole things Link needs to do to kill again. I think you guys can agree. Yeah. They're like, yeah, now play this marble game. No one's ever done it before. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> so like, some if of you can do this, yeah. then you can beat Gan. Some of these trials are absolutely not training Link. They're just... Is, is Link able to go through well, this okay. hardship? So I haven't... You guys both played the DLC, and I have not played it yet. Mm-hmm. But isn't that a theme of the DLC? Don't you have to do the trials that so champions had done? You emulate the trials yeah. that the previous champions did. So yeah. would that be similar or different? I think, I think there's a little difference there, and I think it is relating to something in the main game, right. but where Link's shrines that he goes to are kind of these old gods saying, like, Let's see how much pain you can take, right? And then that's what'll prove you're a hero. Um, When Link goes through the trials in the DLC, I think he's going through what, uh, for example, Prince uh, Sidon. Or Mipha and Rivali and People like that. Like, well, well, more... Recently, their and their uh, descendants are trying to kind of walk that path again, right? In order to understand them better. So, like, Link's doing the same thing with all the champions. Mm-hmm. And they explicitly tell you, this champion did this for training, or this champion once did this thing, and then you relive it, and that's how you Do you actually you need of... anybody, Link, because you did this all yourself? Yeah, it's a connection with the past. Yeah. Needs, and I think that's... He needs four people to man those beasts. That's yeah, true. it's very Power Rangers. Yeah. But um, <laughs> there, there is, for sure, this huge theme... Of not just coming home, but like reevaluating what happened before you. And I feel like it's really important. Like you guys pointed out that you're meant to go to the Zora area first, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the the to path of least resistance. On like to get through there, they create all this rain to stop you from climbing climbing the cliffs. And your path takes you through all these stone tablets, like some Old Testament yes, shit, yes. where the past is written on them, which is not about like, anything relevant to anybody else's story really it's relevant to the lore of zora creation when you you get to prince sidon you already know what he has to live up to yeah essentially like what his father did as like guardian slayer a lot of games would be like oh look it's a story about the thing that you're doing like but this game made a deliberate choice just to world build there which i really liked yeah is obsessed with the past which in in a really interesting way Almost like creating a link to the past. Yeah, yeah that was clever. Thanks. Could There's you tell a, from my the smile? The crazy part of myself? this is that there was a game called Link to the Past. <laughs> what? <laughs> we should. Why did they even make this one? I don't, I don't, know, I don't know. A better version. Oh, man. That's what I would have named this game A Link, a to, link the to the Past. past. Yeah, but I, I mean, while we're on the topic of mythology, of the world and like mm-hmm. how this mirrors some of the Japanese mm-hmm. uh, pilgrimages. Um, I think we could move on to some of the aspects of mythology that exist within Hyrule that were built into the world that you get to discover mm-hmm. as a blank slate exploring. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the ones that I really, really enjoyed were the dragons. Oh my god, yeah. Just oh, flying cool. around. Yeah. Um, I love the Chinese music that's yeah. playing. Oh, the music in this oh. game has gotten me through so many homework sessions. When I when I was working, uh, I would listen to the Rito Village daytime soundtrack 
and it's just so peaceful. Oh, I like the nature. I just like when you're out in the middle of like a bunch of grass, which is I don't like doing that in real life. I don't. I would not want to just stand out in a bunch of grass. But when you do it in Zelda, it's it's way better, way better. Mm -hmm. So okay, anyway, so like the the dragons, right? Yeah. Little little sidestep here. I would assume if I ask like your most like awe-inspiring moment of the game. Oh yeah, finding the first dragon. Is it all the blue dragon for yes. me? Yes. Uh, when I when I saw that dragon, I thought. There are things in this game I may never know about. Yes. Because yep. if I didn't happen to walk onto this mountain, I actually didn't know it would turn into anything. I thought maybe there was nothing I could do. Yeah. And I would just have to look at it and then walk, walk away. Well, I wasn't yeah. sure at first. Well, you I had a whole like adventure well, I, up there. Yeah. I was introducing this game to one of my buddies who wanted to see it, mm -hmm. and now he's like, we were wrapping up, and he's like, "What's on the top of the mountain?" And I was like, all right, once I get to the top of the, top of the mountain, I'm just going to save the game and quit. Well, I get to the top, and there's just the dragon possessed yeah. by evil and blight. And I, I I went on a giant epic quest flying across the skies of Hyrule, chasing it, trying many, to blow apart. How many arrows did you have? I had, like, five arrows on me <laughs> at the time, so yeah. I was throwing pots and pans at it to try and break it. Yeah. And I wasted my last ancient arrow and freed it. And it was just one of those moments where... Flying through the air and then just as it's like knocking trees down on the on the side of the mountain and just thrashing and yeah. breaking things and creating updrafts. There are a lot of things like that where you may never be like hinted that it exists. You know, yeah. it's just there waiting for you to discover it. And then the story happens and no one told you it would happen. It doesn't really have to happen. Oh, but, so certainly, like, yeah. So certainly, had told me about the blue dragon. And then there was a moment where, like, I went south, or maybe I was watching you when you played south, and I saw, like, the another the dragon. dragon. And I was like, because it's with the green one. So wait, so they south? appear even before you find yeah. the blue one? Oh, I didn't know that. Um, They're all over I never the saw them before. It was definitely the after the blue one for us. Oh, no, I've... I've yeah, yeah, it was but after. But I don't... I think... I assume they appear before. Because it was like the music yeah, starts maybe. before you see it sometimes, yeah. and I was like, the music came on, I'm like, oh, oh. And then, like, I saw in the corner, I'm like, there are multiple dragons yeah. in fact there are yeah but three, and they're not they're like three. animals no they no. go up into the sky they are. that's where they fucking and, live and open up rifts in space and yeah. disappear through them but like i i really enjoyed what just their existence and how they tell stories because to me just how i experienced the game um led me to like develop my own thoughts and feelings about yeah. what this game was trying to say speaking of that you were telling me before about how you found a scale. Yeah, that's where I was going, actually. Um, so in Hyrule Castle, you find a scale of the blue dragon that you rescue this on the like top of the your, mountain. Your Dark Souls skills really pay off. Oh, yeah. yeah well, yeah, this is very... Uh, <laughs> Archaeological. Yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of when we were talking about the... Uh, devouring dragon or what the gluttonous whatever it's called oh the gluttony dragon in dark souls 2 in one in oh, one dark souls. okay sorry we, we let's got not, it let's if not we let a dark souls tangent happen let's not get into that yeah we'll be gone we'll for do five days. episodes in dark souls in the future five okay. you guys are gonna want 20 but anyways you find a scale of the blue dragon in mm -hmm. hyrule castle yeah. and then you see later like and earlier you found the blue dragon covered and blight and ganon blight and so in my mind, the story that that tells is once Link fell on the field um, and Zelda's like, you got and unlocked her powers and became like a goddess almost and was able to... Uh, yeah, she's like reaching Nirvana. She's, yeah, but... she's reaching like 
she's reaching the peak of her power. Yeah, but the yeah. problem is, Link, who was always at his full power in the past, in all the memories, couldn't take it down. She had to retreat. She couldn't just waltz into Hyrule Castle in my right, mind. Right. Like she had to be like, all right, I gotta figure out how to stop everything on my own now. This is her yeah. like figuring things out instead of relying on oh, robots wait. or relying on Link. And it's the blue one. It that's is the blue yes. on the mountain. It's wisdom, right? right. Yep. And blue is the Fuck. shrine of wisdom. Yeah. And so she decides to go to her patron Triforce like park yeah. and go to the shrine of wisdom and. Who- who and had be, turned her down before. Yeah, who had rejected her in the past. Yeah. And then, I, in my mind, she goes there and requests for assistance, having unlocked her power, and the gods answer by summoning forth the blue dragon. Yeah. And then she rides the dragon over all the guardians, which are devastating Hyrule, and ends up like landing in Hyrule. But when she does, it's at the expense of the blue dragon yeah and the dragon gets corrupted by the blight around her yeah and uh, that dragon probably had to fly through a bunch of blight and stuff too i i kind of imagine that either to get in or to get out yeah maybe it like tangled with ganon for a second was like (laughs) nope i mean maybe i was looking too far into this but if you look at the the top of the sanctum right before you go into the final boss fight there's blight everywhere except for a small like area and i think maybe like like that's the dragon, where the like dragon. Yeah. You mean on top of the tower? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's where she came in. I think yeah. so too. But I, I just think that by placing items in places and like following something similar to Dark Souls in that regard, yeah. where they put items and what they things look like at certain Absolutely. places tell a story that Yeah. Yeah. And you, know, you know what lends yeah. credence to that is when Zelda tells in the final memory when she tells the two uh, Kakariko guards or Shika guards to take you away, mm-hmm. she's just by herself after mm-hmm. that. Yes. So no one knows what she's gonna do. Went. Yeah. Like... So I almost wondered if maybe the dragon came to her like so that she could get there maybe. quickly or something. She's definitely because she's that forest is on the east side, right near the mountain. It's just south of it. Okay. Yeah. But it's like it's not like you're on. Like, so she either rode there or the dragon came and got yeah. her. I don't. Know. I I'm on board. With I like that. that. I think do we want to? Do we want to talk about other fan theories? Um, uh, we we can come talk about them as they come up. I guess. Why did you have one in mind? Did you well, have one? Well, no. I just like. I mean, there was the one, and this isn't like entirely ours, but it's the concept of like Link's rebirth, right? That like he is always. Like he gets he gets reborn every time he dies, and then there's a new link, right? If you accept like you know Nintendo canon and or all that, that he stuff. just can't be killed and he'll revert back to time, right? And so right. that he keeps on learning and courageously forging forward and experiencing his death. Like there's over always and over a new again. link, right? Oh wait, so are you saying you think that when Link dies in the game, he wakes up at the shrine of? No, not like literally, like oh. like as a meta aspect of the Zelda games stories ganon never dies right yeah every ganon you ever fight in any zelda game is the same ganon yeah Yeah. but each link is a new link yeah but they're all still the hero of oh what you're saying was actually in the manual for uh i think it was zelda 2 oh really they say i think it's zelda 2 where they say every 100 years a new Link and Zelda and Ganon are born. Ooh. I actually I can't remember if it was for Ganon. But Zelda is actually a name that they have to name their okay. daughters every so often. Well, that's so like, that's yeah. part of the thing, right? Is that Link dies, reborn, new hero, yeah. goes and fights Ganon. Like, Wind Waker touches on that too, where it talks about, oh, they, we give our little boys the hero's clothing, the green clothing, because 
Yeah. He eventually yeah. he he's like, he gets reborn and we get a new hero. So if there is a a Ganon, then there it's kind of like Star Wars esque, right? Like the Force must be balanced. Like mm-hmm. if Ganon's growing stronger, we get a good like Link is born, he's ready to fight him. So like mm-hmm. this Link dies. And Zelda's like, we got to get him to the temple to heal instead of just letting him go and letting the cycle rebuild again, which could be... Oh, because in this, this is the theory where right. Zelda is omniscience. You know what's fun Ganon about that? Is omnipotence. It's a hundred years. And I think in the Zelda 2 manual, it they say it happens a hundred years. So maybe she did say things that maybe she... I, I got to You guys talk. I'm you Google, Google it. So if that's true, then maybe she like saves Hyrule with that. Yeah. Because the other way to interpret it would be that she costs Hyrule a new link, right? Who could maybe have gotten there sooner and prevented a lot of devastation. But he would he would have to then... But if it up. is every hundred years... Mm-hmm. See, if it's immediately, then she made the wrong call. Yeah. But if it's every hundred years, then she made the right call. Mm-hmm. So that is an important distinction. That's true. Especially when you're already dealing with maybe the concept of Zelda dealing with her own abilities and her own hubris maybe and like what is her fault and what isn't with her interaction from the robots and stuff Mm -hmm. although i will say if anyone failed i stand by link yeah Rivali was right you think Rivali was Rivali was right and he's not even my favorite character because obviously saito is my favorite character that's what i said (laughs) (laughs) sidon is my favorite character He's so charming. And his good looks. Oh my gosh. He just, like, he winks and it's adorable. He's just... he's positive and optimistic and upbeat. He is. All different words for the same thing I just said. Yep. Yep. All the the thesaurus things. So, Rido. What? What? Rido? I can't do it. Not Rido? Sidon? No, now I'm getting all mixed up. Rivali? Yes. So, Rivali was totally concerned. Like, he's like, who's this Link kid? What if he's not good enough? Like, I don't think he's good enough. And then Link is not good enough. Like, he does not successfully protect the princess. Now, part of the problem was I was not in control of Link at the time. Clearly, if I were Link at the time, 100 years ago, we would have beaten Ganon just the first go-round. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't. So Link dies, and Rivali is right. But not see, I, I think it's... It sounds really bad. I, I think it's Zelda's fault. I do think it is Zelda's fault. Why is it Zelda's fault? Because she wasn't good they, enough? Because me and Sterling were talking about this just now. We, uh... Off, off the record. Um, <laughs> uh, Some yes, counselor. <laughs> so, according to their tradition, they were supposed to be the four guardians and Link and Zelda, mm-hmm. and that was supposed to be all they needed to kill Ganon. Right? Yes. So the original scenario was Link, Zelda, four champions. They all gang up on Ganon and they kill him. Yeah, that's a good plan. Right. But Zelda was like, so far, this plan isn't working because a pretty big part of it, which is me getting these blessings, isn't happening. Right. So we need a backup. So we have an army of robots ready to go. Just let me have these robots set up. And then they do that. And then Ganon turns the robots against them. And I think that's what makes Zelda think, like, I got to take responsibility. That touches back to what we were talking to earlier, right? Mm -hmm. We were talking about earlier, which was what the game is trying to convey about technology yeah, yeah. because Zelda used it's, it and yeah. then Ganon used it. It's very complex. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think the game is trying to say Zelda was, she was a victim of her own hubris. Okay. Which is, I think a way that often those stories are told. Yes. I think it starts that way. Um, when you don't really know why the robots were used or anything like mm-hmm. that, you just know they found them and they use them. But I think by the end of the game, you kind of relate to why Zelda thought this was a good idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, at the end, when you win, 
it's because you got into a similar situation to what the king originally wanted to happen. Right. Which is you, Zelda, right. gang up on Ganon. But at this point, Zelda didn't have to worry about figuring out her problem, her yeah, powers. Yeah, exactly. She knew she, it would work, yeah. She's like, I've been holding off Ganon for 100 years. I'm sure I can finish the job. And you know what's funny about that is Zelda knows this worked for her after the fact. Like when she's trapped with Ganon, she knows that all the stuff she did that seemed stupid, it worked. So when you are like awoken, Zelda knows you have to go and kind of re-find yourself, go on this pilgrimage too. And I think what's kind of uh, beautiful about it is that Zelda is telling you what to do from a veteran's perspective. So she's telling you, you need to go to these shrines, whatever, get strong enough to kill Ganon because now you're the person who isn't ready. You're the one holding us back, but I've been there already. I already know that it worked out in the end and that will be what you need to win. So Mm -hmm. she knows you'll succeed. And that's kind of like the role Link kind of had at the beginning Mm -hmm. too. So, hey everyone. So this episode ran a little bit long. We love Zelda so much that turns out we could go on and on for hours about it. But because we know you likely don't want to sit through two and a half hours about Breath of the Wild, we've cut it into two episodes. So this is wrapping up part one. Be sure to check your feed for part two, which should be live now as well.